Minus three is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. If you're Notre Dame, you got to be alert for a run here as the last play of the game. Give it to him. Trainer up the middle. He's in. Touchdown, Ohio State. They walk it off at Notre Dame Stadium. On third and seven, Pickett drops, firing deep downfield, streaking is Calvin. Austin, who's got it, and he's got it all. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Third and two, Knicks to the end zone, and it's into the arms of Troy Franklin. Touchdown, Oregon. I know that you said it's embarrassing, but this is kind of an historic I'm more. Third time the team has scored 70 points over 700. What's the question? I mean, what's the question? How do you feel about it being I just finished telling you. Historically embarrassing. Next question. Minus three with Dave Damashek. 70 points. The Denver Broncos allowed 70 points, and their head coach was bad mouthing the last head coach plus. The Buffaloes got hammered by Oregon. Sorry, Colorado-based football fans. Good news, hockey season is almost here. Now all you got to do is get through Caleb Williams and USC. Smaller matter, Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. Hi and hello and welcome to Minus 3. Presented as always by Omaha. Hope your football weekend was dandy. It certainly was on my end. Enjoyed watching all day Saturday. It was really a legendary day there. Saturday um, gave way to a good slate of games on Sunday. Hope you enjoyed those. Damashek four and one in college. Tennessee laying uh, twenty one. Colorado and Oregon went under seventy and a half. SC and Arizona State went over sixty two and a half. Bama covered the six and a half. Only the Irish let me down there. Eddie Spaghetti. I know you're still licking your wounds from that one. Nine and four though for Damashek on Sunday. That even beat our pal, our aggregated pick on the 15-minute pregame show that we do every week. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube for that one. Our guy, our aggregated pick, my uh, final score prediction, Hench and Eddie Spaghetti's aggregated. Brady Lemieux is how we do that. He only went seven and six. That means Damashek is leading the way this week, Eddie Spaghetti. Yeah, I um, I wish I didn't have to come on here. I wish I didn't have to talk sports for a career. Yeah, but you do. But this but is you what do, I'm, this is what you I'm made your bet. The funniest thing about um, after the 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 game, the Irish Buckeyes game, was uh, my fiance Jada like having like a, a semi serious talk because I was in a, a weird state, and she was like, "I know you work in sports, but I think you're gonna have to figure out a way to either not watch or like just not be a fan anymore." <laughs> and I was like, "That it's the it was just." There's nothing worse than knowing you should have won the game, knowing you 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 probably were the better team. Uh, I don't care what people want to argue with me online about it. The Notre, Notre Dame. Wait, 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 wait. I love this. I love the angst. You know, I do. Forgive me. I'm sorry for for uh, celebrating. We're not celebrating it, but I do love to hear your sorrow after a game. Also, your glee. You know what? Let's hear all of that, because I just said. Denver slash Colorado football fans maybe had the toughest weekend. Now that you're saying it, Eddie Spaghetti Sports Weekend goes Giants on Thursday night. Yep. And then the Irish on Saturday. Imagine if you're a Chicago sports fan, you have, you know, that's an hour and a half or whatever from South Bend. So the Irish get whipped or lose a heartbreaker and then the Bears and all time shaming there. You know what? Let's talk about all of that right now with one of our all-time favorite guests, Brad Spielberger, and then come back on the other side. I want to get your thoughts on the college football slate that we just saw there. Uh, right now, though, from PFF and beyond, it's our guy Spielberger. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 
21 and over only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only must register with eligible promo code, bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250 bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino. Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit GamblingHelplineMA.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net, New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. All right, listen, we went through our process as we do perennially. We identified this guy, brought him along real slow. Things have really slowed down nice for him now. Now he's a big star on PFF and now launching this very week. Yin's No Ball, a Pittsburgh Steelers twice a week podcast. Don't you know? He's our pal. He's Brad Spielberger. What's happening, man? How are you? I'm doing great. I appreciate the slow developmental process, uh, you know, with you guys. And uh, yeah, th- things are popping off. Oh, we always knew you had the we the, the goods there. But, uh, you know, Chicago Bears went through their process and identified Justin Fields and things are not looking good there. I do want to get your assessment of that. But of course, we have to talk about the number one story. We would not be doing good journalism. What do you think Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's mom talked about in that luxury box because that you know in their normal circumstances it occurred to me like everybody's making a big deal like was it appropriate for t swift to be f-bombing up there my concern was she was doing it within the earshot of travis kelsey's mom do you think that that's a little bit you know too much too soon like hey that's my son out there and i'm not f-bombing how say you you saw the reaction to the touchdown. She was jumping up, going crazy. Donna had Donna Kelsey, that is, had mm-hmm. more of the, you know, act like you've been there before because right. I've been here about 80 times, you know, for Travis's touchdowns. As for the F-bomb, I do think, I mean, very early for them to meet, period, based on the timeline that we understand this relationship. I know they're mega celebrities and all that. I'm not sure who else Swift would be sitting with. But, I mean, she's meeting mom real early in the process there. But I imagine uh, Donna Kelsey has heard every swear word imaginable between Travis and Jason uh, over their 30 some odd years of life. Here's my concern. Word on the street is that Travis Kelsey, if you saw him, he had on a little bit of like a David Byrne talking head zoot suit, like ill fitting suit. But I guess that's hipping now with the kids. So I'm not going to weigh in on what he chose to. Wasn't my favorite look, but okay, that's that's fine. He did what he did, and then they drove off in a convertible, like uh, Travolta and Olivia Newton John at the end of um, of Greece, and they flew off not into the heavens, rather into a restaurant that Travis had bought out. He rented out the whole joint. My concern is, is this setting the bar too high? Where do you go from there on date number two if your first date is renting out an entire restaurant? Well, real quick, it's funny tying back to the Bears. This is like when you bring your girlfriend from high school to your homecoming football game in college. And let's say you're at like a power five school and you're playing, you know, FCS, whatever. And you know, you're going to win 49, nothing. And you're probably not even going to play the second half. That's basically what this Chiefs Bears game was. As for where you go from there, I mean, you're already as Travis, you're basically you know, like you're Oprah Winfrey's boyfriend, right? Like you're already battling from, you know, from the bottom there. He's been successful. He's in a half dozen commercials now, apparently. But, you know, I, I think he can really only do what he can, can what he can do. Taylor is the breadwinner of the couple by, I'm sure, an order of magnitudes. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. A little bit of uh, Giselle and Tom kind of stuff. Uh, rest in peace to to that beautiful love. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Um, I also wonder if that's a, it's a great point you make about the Chicago Bears, where they not a lamb, but a sacrificial bear thrown out there that Travis circled this one. You know, coincidence. Hey, why don't you come on over while we hammer the biggest punchline in pro football? Like there's uh, there's a good chance that I will have a good team against this atrocious football collective. Ergo, I'd love for you to be there for this particular game. I I, I like where your head's at there, Spielberg. Savvy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or I like where Kelsey's head is on that one. Um, Also, do you think he did? My old pal, uh, David Feeney, always suggested this, and I think it's it's the best, is do you think this is their first official date, I gather? Do you think he did the wheel, which is to say she's like, they're looking at the menu. Do you think they had like a menu? Like, did the waiter come over to them? Like, the whole place is there, so... It seems like you probably wouldn't need that. But do you think she's like, I think I'd like to try an appetizer. And he was like, no, no, let's try all the appetizers. Bring us the wheel. Every appetizer on the menu. If you want to take a bite of one bite of each one, the world is your oyster. If you're riding with Kelsey, you know, isn't that a nice message? I would even go a step further and say that he might have had chefs in there that would just make whatever she wanted to eat or maybe, you know, a prefix. And he found out what her favorite foods are. We're now going off the rails. There's also a lot of discourse about her eating chicken tenders and ketchup in the press box or whatever the box they were sitting in. There was a whole conversation about that as well. A lot of tentacles to the coverage here, the analysis. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Travis said order whatever you want. They'll find a way to make it, uh, you know, just really, you know, all options on the table. Um, okay, good deep dive there. I think we we've covered a fair amount of that one. I I completely missed. I can uh, obviously I'm out of my depth. I didn't even know about the chicken tenders thing. So let's move on um, to the other side of things and uh, and the state of your bears and Justin Fields. Let's let's first of all before we jump into a broader conversation, are you out on this kid? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Look, we'll get into the conversation of everything else that's going wrong here. But I mean, the internal clock is just it's an hourglass. It, it's a you know, it's a sundial. I mean, he really just cannot see the field. Um, you know, his lack of his lack of confidence and loss of confidence, again, is maybe not entirely his fault. But as much as we touted him as a prospect coming out. He fell to 11 for a reason and and, and a, a trade up to 11, you know, from Chicago. And there were a lot of, you know, analysts and scouts that said his processing is really not great. He was playing with a bunch of first round picks, wide receivers, top 10 pick wide receivers. Um, and you still the entire time he's been good in Chicago, it's throwing to guys that are already open, which is just not how you play NFL quarterback. You throw to guys that are coming open or you throw a guy open. He only pulls the trigger if a guy is sitting there wide open. Love him, special athletic talent. He is not a drop back quarterback in this in this league. He's frankly not even close. So what would be your solution? Just I mean, do you think. I mean, you know, you're three games in. This is this is the the ugly place to to be. If you're a professional, I, I'd love to be making millions of dollars doing anything, and I would be willing to trade my physical well being for millions of dollars, as football players do. But still, three games in, especially there was a little bit of glow optimism for the last six months, and it's obvious that this season is scuttled. If you're on the Chicago Bears, um. What do, what do they do to get from here through New Year's now, though? Do you just continue to operate business as usual? Do you have to cha- try to make a change in how you're using Justin Fields at this point? What, what I mean, what would be your plot for these next 14 games? That's the confusing thing here and where the blame for everybody else comes in, which certainly they deserve a ton of it. Um, Offensive coordinator Luke Getze made a switch last year going into a Monday night game against the Patriots. They had, I don't know, a dozen or more designed runs for Justin Fields. And then uh, this year, for some reason, they're like two or three a game, even against Kansas City. And I know it got out of hand pretty much immediately. So you probably have to abandon the run. But the Chiefs play a ton of man coverage. We know Steve Spagnuolo does the same thing pretty much every week. And that is what New England did last year. And Justin Fields carved them up the entire game. So you still don't rely on that. I think you do have to shift back to running him a ton rolling him out and having half field reads like they're trying to make him this pocket drop back guy 
which he, he just isn't good enough to do. At the same time, I mean, the, the, the DJ Moore drop, I think, was the pivotal moment. Like, they were going to lose this game regardless. But when he dropped that bomb, it just sucked any positivity you could have possibly had. But, yeah, do I bench him? No. Do I trade him? No. You just play to his strengths, play to his skill set, get healthy on the offensive line, you know, get the receivers to play a bit better. But but those aren't excuses. That's just, you know, ways to improve. But, yeah, and then you start scouting Caleb Williams, Drake May, J.J. McCarthy, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I want to get to what those alternatives might be. Um, I do, you know, people have had this conversation, you know, since I've been following that coordinators that the desire to do what they want to do, what they think will work in terms of X's and O's 11 on 11 versus the specific skill set. And it's, it's pretty transparent to me that a guy like oh, the, the, the paradox is, and I've had this conversation with X and O experts a, a, a ton about like the paradox of, there are only a small handful of guys that don't need play action to thrive consistently. And so you watch Sunday night football as a, for instance, and Kenny Pickett looks a little bit better when they're not coincidentally moving him around. They're moving the pot. They're moving uh, the line with him. They're giving him those gentle rolls. What, what Luke gets, was a hot ticket item this off season as a, as a guy who was really a difference maker as an offensive coordinator, what what do you suppose um, how they're getting lost with using Justin Fields appropriately, which is, as you say, is running them around some? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, they might try to blame. I mean, look, they're down four starters on the offensive line. The one starter they do have is a rookie right tackle, uh, you know, in Darnell Wright, who I think has looked pretty solid. So they could probably argue, I mean, week one, when he did roll out, the Packers sacked him. I think both times they ran a designed rollout. Uh, Lucas Van Ness had one. I think Rashawn Gary or Kingsley getting Barry got him on the other. So no matter what they've done, it's failed. But I still think you just have to move the pocket. Like you said, play action um, and maybe more under center period because there's been a lot of shotgun. We have seen an increase there. But I mean, look, the personnel still is a problem. It's the worst roster talent wise in the NFL still. But I, I do just think Getsy has not designed the correct offense. Abandoned things that worked last year. Um, and I'm not particularly sure why. Um, let's do something win play show. We like to do it on extra points, the podcast, win play show, ranking all manner of things. And I like to celebrate the best of the best, best position groups by team in sports history. Let's do the other side of it here. Where do Chicago Bears quarterbacks as a group? And I am including Mike Phipps and Vince Evans and Bobby Douglas and you know, Steve Fuller. And I mean, you know, the list, you know, who's on the list there, uh, Jay Cutler, probably the high watermark in the Super Bowl era. I mean, the best quarterback that the Chicago bears have had in 58 years of Super Bowl era ball is Jay Cutler. I don't know what else I need to say about that. You have Philadelphia Flyers goaltending. You have uh, LA Clippers centers you have everybody on the Washington general. So that, that, that whole team stinks. But what do you think is the worst position group in sports? Can we make a case that it is indeed Chicago Bears quarterbacks? Here, I'll give you two stats that make it, a, I think, a slam dunk case. There is one franchise in the NFL that has never had a 4,000-yard passer. That is the Chicago Bears. There is one franchise that has never had a quarterback throw 30 touchdown passes. That is the Chicago Bears. Uh, that's it. It's the Bears. It's not even close. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm I'm thinking it through here. I've got to throw in Pittsburgh Pirates starting pitchers, but the but this is before they leave to go and throw high right. leverage um, October ball. I'm talking about when they're still on the Pirates. Those guys stink. Um, Flyers goalies, um, Dodgers relief pitchers. They deserve a shout out. Tom Needenfuhrer specifically. That was before you walked the planet Earth, uh, Spielberger. What about Bears? I think I think the Thunderdome of single worst position group for one team in the last half century is Chicago Bears quarterbacks or Cleveland Browns quarterbacks. Decide that one. Go ahead. Yeah, and it's tough that I'm, you know, going to give a big nod to Mr. Watson as the reason why they and he hasn't even played well yet. He did to his Wait a second, wait work. a second. Go ahead before you speak now. You understand I get there two and one. 
I get they've allowed one touchdown all season so far, the defense has. But you're going to say that the reason why the Bears QB in is worse than the Browns QB in in the Super Bowl era is Deshaun Watson? Yeah, he should probably should have been a Bear. Probably a good thing he wasn't. Uh, probably should have been drafted by Chicago in 2017. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, he, he's been pretty bad in Cleveland. He was good. He was 27-33 for 280, I think, and two touchdowns. He did have one of the more inexplicable plays I've ever seen in my entire life in that game where he threw the ball backwards about 20 yards. I don't know what he was trying to accomplish there. But, um, yeah, as sad as it is, as crazy as that sounds, he might be the uh, the pendulum swing, the difference maker uh, between the Brownies and the Bears. I mean, they've shared a lot of names, too. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like that that list has a lot of, you know, Eskimo brothers on it uh, of bad quarterbacks and backups and McCowns and and all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. No, not the good stuff, the bad stuff. Correct. Um, correct. <laughs> OK, let's now try to figure out. You just mentioned, uh, you know, we're, we're we're talking some Deshaun questionable trade there. I think that's really what it comes down to is philosophically the Browns, the the Bears, at least have have an easier exit plan with Justin Fields than what the Browns do. The teams that can salvage their season or improve their situation with some free agents that are floating out there right now. Again, you know, 10 years ago, there just were not very many trades in pro football. Herschel Walker is the one that always comes to mind, like in season can really swing um, the fortunes of a team. Who's out there right now? Like Bakhtiari, is is that a reasonable name that we could see on the move here that might help a team that's uh, that's in need of a difference making tackle or is he washed up? Let's start with him. Yeah, he just doesn't play enough. I don't think any team has taken that risk. He, he did have his contract redone, so it'd be cheap for the acquiring team. But no, yeah, agree. He, he's a Packer for life, and that knee he has is, is held together with you know bubble gum and prayers at this point. Okay. Josh Jacobs, it's obviously not working there in Vegas for him this season. And, you know, you see the big in, you, you see big name guys getting hurt at running back. Doesn't it make sense for somebody to be making some calls on Jacobs? Yeah, I can see that one at the deadline. You know, if you're a team that, that uh, you know, wants to improve there, can convince the Raiders, you are allowed to retain salary, you know, with a uh, franchise tag, they could rework the deal there to, you know, like we've seen in recent years, like Von Miller a couple of years ago, going from Denver to the Rams, where they make the player cheaper for the acquiring team. They could do that with Jacobs. Yeah, uh, that would make sense. As we get into to these names here, I'm going to throw you a handful of names here um, in the next couple of minutes. The bottom line is the recurring thing I've learned from talking to you is that you think like, oh, but the contract is too heavy and that team's up against the cap almost every single time. If a team wants a player, they can make it happen. Is that fair? I mean, there are very few, very few examples that you can say like, yeah, they just couldn't make the math work. Is that fair enough? Oh, it is. The the key is it takes two to tango there where if you're going to ask what I just said, where you ask a team, hey, can you retain salary to help our salary cap? You then in turn give a higher draft pick. So are you willing to pay more in draft pick compensation to save that cash is the question. If you're willing to do that, though, yeah, you can pretty much pull off, you know, whatever you want. Aaron Rodgers rips his Achilles and within three minutes, I uh, direct message Brad Spielberger my Sherpa on these things and say, can't they go and uh, talk with the Rams and try and get Matthew Stafford? You said, no, the Rams having just paid out 26 million to Stafford are not going to be willing to do that. Right. Still. I also think they just look better than we expected. Right. I mean, you know, rookie guard, Steve Avila is a legit player already. Uh, Their tackles are healthy, playing better. Puka Nakua, you know, the, the emerging, uh, you know, superstar apparently in the NFL, you know, so once you get Cooper cut back and, you know, maybe the defense grows a little bit, I think they feel as though they're like a frisky wild card type team, which may not be true. Um, but I think it's also that factoring in as well, not just, you know, not wanting to move on from Stafford. It's also they probably think they can contend for, you know, a seven seed in the NFC. I, you know, I kind of get where they are right now, uh, the Rams and why they would be feeling that way. What about Ryan Tannehill. I said to you six months ago, why don't the Niners, instead of messing with Sam Darnold and waiting to see what's going to be with Brock Purdy, obviously Purdy's uh, elbows in, in in a better state than what I expected it to be. Either way, Ryan Tannehill feels like a viable starter to me, obviously a playoff guy um, <clears throat> in years past. 
is he an option for Nashville to part ways with? And is he attractive to, do you think any would be contenders out there? That's the one for me that if I'm the New York jets, you're calling Tennessee every week that they lose until they tell you to stop calling does have a big salary, but again, that's one that can be reworked again. You could find a, a compromise middle ground when Rogers takes the massive discount and gives you some money to work with. You know, that's in part not for a quarterback, but you know, you can now use that to your advantage. The offensive line in New York is a disaster, but you know, it, it's a disaster for Tannehill in Tennessee and has been for a couple of years as well. And the weapons in New York are as good or, or better than the weapons he's had since they traded away AJ Brown. So that's the one for me that if I'm the Jets, if I'm serious about trying to contend this year, I'm calling Tennessee because I don't think Zach Wilson, here's a fun game for you. I don't think Zach Wilson's a top 100 quarterback in in, in the world. I don't. Well, I, I, I love that. But, you know, here's my devil's damashek for you on that. What would the Jets record be right now if Aaron Rodgers hadn't gotten hurt? Probably at least two and one. Well, they, who they lose to? They played Dallas, right? So yeah, they oh they killed the Patriots with Aaron Rodgers. They obviously beat the Bills without him. And you know, week two would have been a toss up. Dallas' defense is pretty gnarly. But yeah, either two and one or three and zero oh, uh, because Dak, you know, on that offense, actually Dak was okay yesterday. McCarthy was McCarthying as he's known to do. Um, but yeah, could it could be three and zero? Oh, worst case, two and one. Okay, you're one and two though. Okay, you have fourteen games remaining. Nothing is settled at this point. But is it worth it if you're the Jets? to still be chasing this. I, I, I mean, obviously you're not going to wave the white flag at this point, but you know, Kirk cousins, is that a possibility? I think how many games Minnesota keeps losing makes it a bit interesting. You know, they have no backup plan. I like Tennessee more because you have Levis, you have Malik Willis. I mean, Minnesota, you know, they they have Jordan Tom who they signed out of the XFL. They have Jaron Hall, the BYU got guy from this year's draft class, but like you do owe your fans at least playing a guy who is like an NFL caliber quarterback, which those guys probably aren't even in that conversation, you know, or a rookie like a Levis or, you know, a Willis. So that gives me pause. But if they're like, oh, and five, oh, and six, you know, he's he's not going to get tagged. They're not going to extend him. They need draft capital to go get a new quarterback. Keep Justin Jefferson happy, yada, yada, yada. It makes sense for all of those reasons. The one the one downside is like, who do you start uh, under center? Is it one of those things like I'm just going to ask you a percentage on Tannehill likelihood of him moving and Kirk Cousins? Is it about the state of the overall team? And if the Vikings get into such a, a dark spot that the Neil Hunter would also be then on the trade block? Is that does that math kind of work for you that if they're willing to move on from Cousins, obviously Hunter and, and clear out as much cap space for 24 as possible? Hunter is the name that I think is like should be at the top of a hypothetical trade deadline targets. I think Hunter should be near the top. To of that where? List. Let me guess. Baltimore Ravens. They could certainly use them. Yeah, they could use some edge help. Uh, yeah, that that works. <laughs> that, by the way, I, that's where I started to dip in on the Lamar Jackson experiment, which is this this monk in offense, which didn't look great. Uh, my my continuing concern is the lack of a pass rush there. In Baltimore, great stuff from Hamilton, setting the defensive back sack record in a single game and all of that. But it also does kind of indicate that they're having to do some wild stuff to make up for the lack of a traditional pass rush. Is that uh, of a would-be contender in the AFC? That is the one outside of QB. That to me is like, man, the Ravens are kind of light in terms of pass rush, pass defense specifically. Yeah, that was my biggest concern. I mean, I did think there'd be more growing pains with Munkin. I know they didn't look good this week against Indianapolis, but I mean, you're down your two best offensive linemen. Like, I think you, you dive in the tape a little bit. They, they need to add a running back that can at least give them three yards in a cloud of dust. Uh, they're not even getting that right now. So, uh, but yes, their defensive line, Odafi Owe, the, you know, the, the former first rounder looks pretty good, but they have no like difference maker. You add in a hunter and then the rest of the guys they do have and kind of had that knockdown effect. I think it makes a huge difference for that defense. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a concern for me, no question. Right. I, I mean, I keep coming back to the Ravens as a team that feels like they they are a candidate for a number of pieces, like I say, for an edge rusher. One, but two, are you surprised that they haven't made a stronger play yet, at least outwardly, to get Jonathan Taylor or short of that, Josh Jacobs? I mean, that they, they, they're the team that feels like there are guys out there. I'm I, I'm I guess I'm uh, do you think that Kareem Hunt 
and the Ravens didn't happen because of the Ravens history and Kareem Hunt's off the field history. That's my assumption on that. I'm with you on that one. Yep. So, yeah, but that doesn't mean that wouldn't rule them out. Obviously, if you're seeing Melvin Gordon getting important carries in an NFL game in 2023, you would think that Jonathan Taylor going there because I assume the Dolphins have self-declared, I guess we don't need a fancy running back given what we have in-house here and dropping 70 on a pro football team. So that kind of clears the path for a team like the Ravens to go and get Jonathan Taylor if they want him. I think they could make that move if they wanted to. They're a super expensive roster. Uh, didn't have a lot of draft capital last year. So like it's an interesting spot. Um, I think even going smaller than that, like a guy like Deontay Foreman in Chicago, give playoff Lenny a call. I don't know what, what he's up to. Uh, sitting on his couch in Tampa. Yeah, I know it's less exciting than the splash plays, but yeah, or you just bring in one of those guys. You don't extend them, but you say, hey, we'll put you in the most advantageous rushing offense that, for a running back that exists because Lamar Jackson's gravity makes that job the best. Like you and I could average two yards a carry. Maybe that's generous, uh, you know, in, in that offense because defenses have to account for Lamar. Say, hey, look, Jonathan, we're not going to extend you. You're going to come in. You're going to play 10 games with Lamar Jackson, and then someone else can pay you in free agency. I would do that if I was them. Poor Eddie Spaghetti has heard me say this about 292 times in the last couple of months, but I was very pleased with the analogy I, I landed on, the pop culture circa 1978 analogy. Running backs just have to adjust their expectation in their role in pro football. It's it's like Jaja Gabor or Charo going on Love Boat. They're still big stars. They're just guest starring on that show for one appearance, and then they move on to another show next week. Isn't that basically the relationship running backs are going to have with pro football for the next couple of years? It's not bad. It's just like you're not going to be wearing the same outfit next week. You're just going to be, you know, you're not going to be on Love Boat. You're going to be on Fantasy Island next week. Isn't that about what running back should expect and that's not the worst thing in the world you just move around you get a star. name yeah you're still a name you still draw a crowd it's like you're doing your greatest hits tour but it still puts butt, butts in the seats you're just not making you know the the money you were back in the day not as much but you still are gonna get paid yeah. right i mean that's not the worst life is it no. i mean but, but am i right that that's what these guys should expect is that like it's yes. like you're a finishing piece for this team this year but don't don't make too many friends, you know, don't don't yes. uh, don't buy just rent. Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. Just just right. rents, get a condo, you know, near the near the stadium. Don't need to get a house and, and plant roots. I mean, look, Dalvin Cook getting seven million dollars already looks like a gigantic overpay. Uh, and we're three we're three weeks into the season. So it's it's only getting worse from here uh, because that signing looks I mean, he's averaging like two yards of carry. So, yeah. All right. I it's more likely that I'll allow some big names to slip through the cracks. So instead, I'm just going to throw it back in your lap. Who is or who are the guys that you feel strongest are going to move to contending teams and make the biggest difference? I'm talking about guys that you actually think these guys are going to switch NFL teams between now and the deadline and are going to change what we think is going to who's the favorites are going to be in the two conferences. Yep. Number one for me, probably comfortably, uh, is Brian Burns in Carolina. He, he wanted to get a deal done, you mm. know, an extension before the season. There's the reports that they turned down two firsts and a second from the Rams last year. That's been confirmed and verified by a whole lot of people. Uh, no reason to not believe that's true. Uh, they're 0-3. They probably want to get some draft capital back that they gave up to go get uh, Bryce Young. And this year's draft... Um, I, I think also at a certain point, if they're, you know, one in five, whatever, he might say, Hey, I'd like to go play somewhere else. So yeah, he's number one for me. I think he will get moved to the deadline. Uh, Daniel Hunter, we talked about is, is a very big option. Tell me where, where go ahead. Let's let, let's just do it. Say where Burns is going to land. So LA could call back again. Maybe they're still interested. And then you mentioned Baltimore. I mean, I think both of those guys, like, you know, outside linebacker type players, Hunter's kind of a hybrid, but, but yeah, I like I, Baltimore or LA uh, would make a ton of sense for Brian Burns. And they might be, you know, just like we saw with Roquan Smith last year, they might be willing to extend him, you know, kind of quickly. Um, so yeah, I'll say one of those two for him. Oh, I should have a longer list here. I mean, Tannehill. Tannehill, it, I just feel like the Titans think they can win this division and like Mike Vrabel just refuses to die. Um, but yeah, I'll do it. Let's say let's do it. 
Let's send Tannehill to the Jets in two weeks. We'll, we'll pull that off, uh, and we'll get the Levis show underway in Tennessee. I get that it's waving the white flag and announcing we know we're not going to the playoffs. But if you know if the Vikes get to one and five, one and six, they ain't going to the playoffs. Do they trade Kirk Cousins, and where will he land? That one, I'm going to say no, just because, like I said, I think you are trying to. They, first of all, they care about their fan, like their fans watching every Sunday. They love going 500. They're obsessed with going 500. They also, in their defense, I mean, you have one score losses to the Chargers and, and the Eagles, like the last two weeks, right? Like they could be two and one. They could be three and zero oh right now. The Bucks game also could have swung in their direction. So. It's classic regression from last year. They're now 0 and 3 in one score games after going 11 and 0 last season. Who could have possibly seen that coming? All right. So I got the list here. So I think Burns is definitely the, the big ticket, and that'll be interesting. Um, Devontae Adams, I don't see happening. It's a contract thing there. I'm sure he would love to leave, but but I just don't see it. Uh, Do for you? Him, I'm not like I outwardly, maybe I'm naive. I just thought Devontae Adams, like, I always my lifelong thing was to be a Raider and with Derek Carr and things just keep uh, falling away. And he's like, all right, I'm a pro. I'm going to stick it out here and keep putting up uh, ridiculous numbers on my way to the Hall of Fame. Maybe you should. I, yeah, I mean, I saw last night he's like now, I think, second all time in in reception or in games with 10 plus catches uh, like he's he can just, you know, hang out near his home, near his hometown in California and just ride off into the sunset. But a big part of that was play, playing with his college quarterback and Derek Carr. And then Josh McDaniel said, I'm going to kick him out of town, bring in my guy and then kick field goals with two minutes left down eight. So, you know, it, uh, his opinion may change uh, the, Devontae Adams, that is so. Let's see who else here. Throw out some other names. I'll tell you what what I think. Uh, Mike Evans. If the season slips, I could see it. He probably wants to be a Buccaneer for life, but I don't think they get a deal done. Off to a good start. Probably still has some value. Uh, And where? It's not going to be someone flashy like Kansas City. Like I could see the Giants trying to get a big body receiver and just turn this offense around for Brian Dable. Um, That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, let's go there. Let's go. Mike Evans is the Giants. Let's do it. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, you know, I think, I think it could happen. I really do. Um, Two. I think, I, uh, yeah. So the question is, where does he go? Hmm. Let's go Green Bay. They they called. They apparently were in on the conversation. I know they have Aaron Jones, but AJ Dillon, you know, looking like one of the slower fullbacks in the NFL so far through three weeks. Uh, let's go Green Bay. They call back. They want to get a running back. They want to protect I'm Jordan I'm surprised Love. by that. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. by the A.J. Dillon lack of uh, blow up. I was, I was sure that that was, was coming here. I don't know if it ever is going to happen there. Uh, yep. Josh Jacobs, uh, last one. I don't see it. Uh, it's huh. just tough with the – yeah, so it's tough there. Like The reason I like Taylor a lot more is contractually, and I know I go to everything there, but – you know, on a rookie deal, super cheap. You can tag him for a first time. You know, with Jacobs, it's a second tag at a higher number now. You know, you, or you pay him right away. Hasn't really looked all that good either, uh, frankly. So, yeah, I think Taylor is the is the big name running back that might move. Um, last question, uh, hard right turn. Um, although I guess we're talking Josh Jacobs. What did you think of Josh McDaniel's decision uh, to uh, to kick the field goal and get it to a five point game? There, much has been made about it. People announce McDaniel's literally has to be fired for blowing this to say, how, where did you come down on that one? I, I kind of get it. The only reason I disagree with McDaniel's on it is because Devonte Adams is uncoverable. It there it's as though they complicated matters for themselves. It was apparent that Adams in, um, you know, making short throws when you have to make the two and a half yards, there was nothing the Steelers were going to do to keep the ball away from Devontae Adams. And they could have just kept targeting him. Ergo, making the two point conversion wouldn't have been. But the assumption that, well, you have to go for it on fourth and four, because if you can, if you get it there, then you're down to, but you still have to make the two point conversion, which is not, you know, that's, that's not a simple matter. I kind of got it when you know the Steelers are unlikely to throw, which then they kind of surprised you and made the first down on third by throwing it there. How say you, Spielberger? Yeah, so, I mean, first off, yeah, Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson against Devontae Adams is about as big of a mismatch that exists in the entire NFL. But, right. um, 
Here's the, my bigger issue. So the first field goal they kicked with about, I want to say, three and a half minutes left where they made it, but they had the penalty on DeMarvin Leal, uh, you know, for whatever, like jumping on the, the center. I know if exactly you're go- what you're going to say here, and I know you're right. Go ahead. Right. If 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 you if you're planning, OK, we're going to accept this penalty and continue driving right then you're done with the field goal. Right. Because, you know, yes, you've take- made you've announced that this drive is the touchdown or bus Correct. drive. That's exactly Correct. right. When you accept the 50, which obviously you're going to accept it. Yes. Right. Because then you take I think it was another minute and a half. Like it was two minutes and 20 seconds by the time they get down there. Yes. You have three timeouts. Yes. You know, the two point or the two minute, you know, whatever. Yes. Matt Canada and the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is not the scariest, you know, by any means. But once you make that decision, you have to go for it. Uh, Yeah. Short of a sack or a penalty that moves you back into an implausible uh, conversion situation. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. You accept the 15 yards, you move up there. Well, now you have to leave them down. Yeah, if you don't make it on fourth down, you leave them down there and take your chances. Um, Spielberger, you're the tops, man. Um, Thanks for all the time. As always, hope things turn around for you with uh with your chicago sports fandom not a good time to be a chicago sports fan man but oh great news and muzzle tov to your missus well we've really we've hailed you before as the smartest of our guests because you married someone smarter and more successful than you she is a doctor who is going to be taking her residency to pittsburgh pa mcgee's women hospital where one dave damashek was born many moons ago you're gonna get to live on the banks of the three rivers you lucky dog you i'm pumped i'm super pumped yeah i'm excited to move out there be there soon i'll be a yinzer i'll come on with your accent about like six months in and we'll just go back and forth and it'll be great <laughs> dude you know how to talk like that there you gotta know you gotta learn like mike tomlin dude dude i don't know what mike tomlin's even doing out there dude does he know what the you know he knows it's the 21st century you can't be pun all the time you gotta go for it on fourth time you know like that you know how to do that I'm gonna no, I don't I gotta work on it. Never even tried. I can do it in New York because my family's right New Yorkers. Now. Do it right now. Let's let's have oh. your first lesson. Ready, set, go. Say something in Pittsburghese. So uh, g- give me a give me a sense. Give me a sense. Talk about uh talk about the time that uh, Ben Roethlisberger threw a touchdown pass against the Cleveland Browns. Oh. You saw Big Ben drop back for now. Nah, I I gotta I gotta work on it. Roethlisberger, Dade Roethlisberger, Dade and the Browns. The Browns is like, we go to get him down the ground. And he's like, seven's like, they like, Roethlisberger's like, get out, dude. And then he just wung it to the end zone. Touchdown. What else is new, dude? The Browns is the Browns and the Stillers is the Stillers. It's a story all this time. Don't you see? Next time like, I come uh, on, I promise. Next okay, time I come on, I'll have worked on it. I'll have, I'll have really in the mirror, kind of really just visualize it. And we'll, we'll go back and forth. I promise. Spielberger continued success. Go get him with this new one. Yin's no ball. Um, but starting out this week, what a serendipity to have you join us then in anticipation of that great new podcast and all the great work you're doing at PFF. Take it and tell your people at PFF to take it easy on the Pittsburgh people already. TJ Watt is just as good as Miles Garrett. Nay, even better. I don't care what pass pass rush win rate says. Bunch of nerds, but I know, right? Just watch the game, you know, just watch Bunch the game, read the box scores. Bunch of nerds. Dude, that's saying Monson don't know nothing about what's he know about the uh, uh, about the gridiron, dude. He'd go back and play soccer, dude. That's what he's all about, right? I don't know. Yeah, anyway. drinking Guinness and playing soccer. What does he know? He don't know nothing. All right. Thanks, Spielberger. You're the best. Thank you. And now a quick break. All right, there he goes, Eddie Spaghetti. Your thoughts on what he had to say? Well, first, to make Brad feel better, I know they, uh, we mentioned hockey's on the way soon. The ESPN put out an art, their bull prediction NHL article, and they said, you know, Connor Bedard, 35 goals. So while Justin Fields wow. is letting everyone down, um, maybe you're the phenom that the, the Blackhawks have uh, will make them feel a lot better there. And and I will say, you know, I've been in kind of a funk since Saturday night. Um that field goal kick the or attempt by McDaniels and exactly what I agree with too is like to me missing like turnover on downs on fourth is the same exact result 
as getting the field goal because it's either if you turn the ball over on downs, you're not getting the ball back. And if you kick a field goal and make it and you're down five, you're not getting the ball back. You're just essentially losing by less points. So to me, it was just the most asinine play I've ever seen. It was like, it actually like sucked me back into caring about football again, because I was like, I cannot believe this man is a professional head coach getting paid millions of dollars. And that like, if I was the kicker, the special teams, unit, I would have been like, no, 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 we should not go out here and do this. Like, I just don't grasp that at all. I don't ever think it's a smart idea in, in football to just rely on your defense, especially when all you needed to do was get 10 yards, which you did. And I'm not even anti, I, we all picked the Steelers too. So I was happy with the result to me. Well, it me was just too. I just thought it was surprised. I just, uh, as I say, I could see standing across from Mike Tomlin and his wildly conservative instincts leading me to add up to they're going to, we have our three timeouts. They're going to run this ball into the line, at least the first two plays. And then it's basically, we've got to stop them on third and long. I was surprised that the Steelers got it to third and four in that spot, as a matter of fact, because you could sit on the run and it's so predictable there. I, I get what you're saying. Also, not that it, I mean, I'm, I'm happy with the win, everything up, but I mean, again, poor Minka Fitzpatrick. Terrible. On, on Monday night, you understand. He's going too low when he hits the guy in the legs. Then he runs in an upright position. He runs into another grown man too high, too high. Well, I mean, what if you're Minka Fitzpatrick, what are you supposed to do? A crazy, I mean, the, the game with one more stop on third down there, that game is over and it never gets close. And, mm-hmm. so, you know, the, the Marvin Leal, I mean, that he hoisted himself on the back of a ghost on the Raiders. I mean, on the... Field goal tried. That was another wacky call by the officials there. Uh, it, so my takeaway is maybe it's a rationalization. That should have been a once mm-hmm. in a blue moon. Nice breezy win for the Steelers where I didn't have to sweat. I ended up having to, again, white knuckle it. But thank goodness they're two and one. And then postscript, they're sitting on the runway on Monday in Kansas City waiting to get back to Pittsburgh so that then they can get on a plane in five days and fly to Houston to play a game. C.J. Stroud and uh, Texans team. But uh, we're right as rain. Now, let's wrap it up with this, though, Spaghetti. I said I wanted to talk college football. I'd be sick in my balls if I were you. Because. Well, confirm them. It's a heartbreaker, obviously, but for all the other coaching mistakes, I mean, two straight plays with 10 guys on the field at the goal line. How say you? It's inexcusable. I mean, especially because Al Golden has a history of not only being like uh, a veteran of both you know leagues, but also a, a head coach. And I mean, it's just it's one thing if Freeman is a younger head coach that happens, um, you know, if offense screws up, which they did Gerard Parker with that terrible screen pass on second down. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the, the cushion they gave on that, like second or third and 19 to, and they had 21 yards to the end zone and they allowed 20 yards. So they got enough for the first down. Like all you had to do was keep him within that first down marker and things change. But like a lot of people pointed out, if they didn't throw that screen on second down, that's, that's chewing up clock. It just should have been estimate run, estimate run, estimate run, chew up their, their clock, uh, make them use their timeouts and then pump the ball away. And they have to get on the field to score a touchdown. And then you're most likely winning this game. We're not going to see any of those passes at the end of the game that go on. I mean, they dropped two interceptions in that final drive, which was terrible as well. There were so many opportunities to seal that game up. I believe they do that thing on, um, on ESPN where they have like that, um, that win percentage uh, graph. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And after right. that, after that estimate run, when they got the ball back um, and they, they got the big chunk under first down, it was at 91%. Now, obviously we've seen games flip that have been a higher percentage, but that the game was in the bag, even with two plus minutes left. Um, like I said, they were the better team. They, the Ohio state had no answer for the running game in the second half. Uh, they kind of, I can't believe it. I can't, I mean that really that the coaches cost the kids that game. And I feel bad on both sides of it, because then Ryan day is puffing his chest out and going after old man, Lou Holtz. Um, And if I were an Irish fan, I'd be like, leave poor old man, Lou alone. But I, you know, Ryan day acting like a toughie because his QB, his 18 year old kid made a couple of special throws. And I think 
he the kid deserves credit for that. I feel bad when things like this happen and you're like coaching air cost the game and that was terrible and it was like it was very close right down there at the goal line and man that was super duper close to the, the that kid keep his knee off the ground to get in there but but it also is like it's obscured what should be the big takeaway is that Ohio State kid was in a real tough spot and made a couple of dandy throws he's 18 years old sure. in south bend but, everybody in green rooting against him i thought that was cool he made some good throws it also had two drop interceptions in that last drive and, i get it. i'm uh, just and, and i'm again, just saying like, i'm shouting him plays, out in that tough spot two there. plays with that with 10 guys on the field and uh you know it just um like the soft cushion that like that throw i keep bringing up and yeah i mean ryan day if you beat notre dame 50 to nothing i would say um it's one of those things where you could you could scream about lou Holtz, uh 86 year old lou Holtz or whatever who's being honored that day but it, you when you when you scrape by and barely won you a game you shouldn't have won to go and attack him like that is strange and plus Ryan Day looks like he's wearing another guy's skin on his body what a weird looking man um, he, so is it, is it dyed hair I is have that, no idea. does he dye his beard or it, it's like is yeah, that why he, he looks that way it's like he changes skin so I, I don't care I mean look I, huh. I felt good about that game I um Notre Dame proved they can hang with the big boys this year and a down year for Ohio State Marvin Harris I know he got banged up was a non-factor in that game too so so many things went right the game plan was right but they just did not execute, um, you know, with, with, you know, a few minutes left in that game. And it's one of the worst losses. And I'm just so defeated. I'm so deflated. And I know, as Andy Staples said a week or two ago, um, that even with a loss, it doesn't really matter necessarily because as well, long as Notre Dame beat them now, as long now as Notre Dame sweeps all those other, the other teams, the Duke matchups huge on the road, Clemson on the road, and they had a you know a tough game versus Florida State, and then obviously the big one versus USC. I mean, did I think Notre Dame would go undefeated this year? Probably not, but um, it, it just um, you just want to win one that you should have won. It's like this is the ah. one year things did not have to go right in every facet to win. They and they messed up a lot of things. But they were still they still played well enough to win. And it just it just stinks to lose this one because I it felt like it was in the bag. I was about to celebrate. It would have been one of the better wins of my life. And um I just I don't know why I still <laughs> literally have literally would have been too. I don't know why I, I don't know why I root I don't I just hate sports. I hate this like this darkness in me that I have to root for sports. Uh a week ago <laughs> I was having fun in Austin listening to music, eating good food, and yet I decided to work in this and have to watch this and have a fandom I can't shake. And it just it stinks and I want to give it up, but it is what it is. Well, since you hate USC, maybe Oregon will embarrass them by keeping the game close. All of a sudden, I feel like Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley have the have a world of pressure on them mm. to to not just win, but they have the house. Pac-12 Colorado or the Pac-12 was so smoke. good. The Pac-12 was so good. Oregon is so good. Washington's so good. Well, whatever's left of the Pac-12, and yeah, I mean, I even that UCLA Utah game was tough. There, Utah's in the top ten now. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's just, that's a real, you said it last week too, with Andy, is it the best year ever? And it's like that, those are some legitimate title contender teams. What a sad thing. All right. Listen, we've said it all. We'll be back though, to say some more on Thursday, excited by the way, for Kevin Hench and all our writer pals that the strike appears to be resolved. So Kevin Hench will work around his gigantic schedule and squeeze in some of his sports thoughts for you. Also, of course, we will be delivering the minus three 15 minute NFL pregame show for you. Obviously, we'll have that for you on Friday. We appreciate everybody checking that out on Twitter and YouTube. We appreciate you subscribing Two extra points on YouTube, consuming all the content uh, out there. Waiver Wired with Spaghetti and Jim Piacenti three times a week. You got Trendy Extra Points with me and Sarah Tiana and Martin Weiss is our guest this week. Coming at you on Wednesday, there's Covered in Glory. There's Lemon Pepper Parlay. Oh, so much to consume. Uh, make sure you're checking it all out. And uh, until Thursday, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>